You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Let me say two words and see if you know what to repeat back to me. Merry Christmas. That was terrible. One more time. Merry Christmas. All right, good. little crowd participation is always good. It is Christmas time, and it means a few things. First of all, for us, it means turn to Romans chapter 8 is where I want you to turn in your Bibles. And if you're joining us online, digital family, man, welcome aboard as well. Romans chapter 8 is where we're going to be. But Christmas time, it means trees. It means hot chocolate. It means going and look at lights. It means the story at our church that we had a great time with. And it also means, and don't throw anything when I say this uh, to you, it means Hallmark movies about Christmas is what it means. So we got some lovers, we got some haters of the love uh, Hallmark movies, and so I don't want to divide any marriages today, but the Hallmark movies at Christmas, they come out, and they're amazing, and they're so this, and they're so that, but I don't know if you know, they have the same plot every movie. (laughs) Do you know that? It's the same thing. So I found this, and I thought this was kind of fun. When you watch your next Hallmark movie, you can play this. It's called Hallmark Bingo. Let me show you the scorecard here. Hot cocoa for two, perfect snowfall, a town with a Christmas tree, a red winter coat, and trimming the tree. And on it goes through all these things. And each one of these little movies has each one of these little moments. It's basically the same plot. You know what it is. It's a big, strong guy in a red flannel shirt that needs help. He needs help baking cookies or shopping or sculpting ice or something. So then this beautiful young lady that's usually from a big city running a corporation comes back (laughs) to her small town and she realizes the big city's not all that there is and there's these great, wonderful, handsome men in flannel shirts that need help. And so she begins to help him in his area of weakness and it's awesome. And then there's a crisis. Somehow Christmas is gonna be canceled. The bell's not going to ring. The tree's not going to light. The church isn't going to be open. Santa isn't going to come. Something's going to happen that creates a crisis. And they're going to come together as man in flannel shirt and CEO lady from big city. And they're going to save Christmas. It's going to be saved. I hate to ruin the show for you, but they're gonna, it's going to be saved. And then the snow is going to fall as the camera pans back, as they finally give that last kiss under the mistletoe. And the show's going to end, and the next one's going to start and do the same exact thing with just a different town and a different girl and a different guy. And then it does it again, and then you're like, I think I know that girl from this show and this guy from that show. And you you start trying to pin them in different places, right? And so it's all the same thing. It always works out. It always works out. Now, let me give you even better news. God has a plan and it's going to work out. Doesn't mean that it's going to be a perfect Hallmark movie. Doesn't mean that it's going to be just snowflakes falling. Life is far more difficult than a Hallmark movie. Your life is not a Hallmark movie. My life is not a Hallmark movie. But we can trust in something greater. Not that we know the end of the story, but the fact that we know the end of the book. We know eternity. We know Jesus Christ. We know that God has a plan and that God can do something. So the blueprint of every Hallmark movie is sure not the blueprint of every movie of our lives by any means, but we can trust in a deeper, greater source that God does have a plan. He knows what is going to work out and he can be followed and trusted in the midst of it. Even when we don't like it, even when it's not fun, even when it doesn't end with a kiss, we can trust that God is at work 
And that's a blessing. And that's what gives us great comfort in Romans chapter 8. Verse 26 is where we're going to start through verse 30. And I think this is going to be, if it's not already, one of your favorite passages of Scripture here. I'm going to give you, or the Word's going to give you, but I'm going to tell you, four different heavenly gifts. Four different heavenly gifts. Look at verse 26. We're going to read verse 26 and 27. Talk a bit, and then we'll jump in further. In the same way... The Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, also helps us, underline the word help, helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. That's the third time in Romans 8 we've seen groanings. The first one was in verse 22 that we are, we are groaning. Uh, whole creation is growing, I'm sorry. Then verse 23, we're growing, groaning. Then verse 26, the Holy Spirit's groaning. Then verse 27, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. And he intercedes, underline intercedes, for the saints according to the will of God. Your first heavenly gift that you can fill out in your listening guide, your first heavenly gift is this. We have a heavenly helper. We have a heavenly helper. Did you see what it said at the beginning of verse 26? Such a great, just really clear phrase. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. We have a heavenly helper with the Holy Spirit. The book of John gives us a lot of verses of Scripture talking about Jesus or the Holy Spirit being the helper. Jesus says this, John 14, verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. We see the whole Trinity in that one verse. Verse 26 of John 14, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all the things I have said to you. John 15, verse 26, but when the helper comes, he will guide you in truth. Verse 7 of chapter 16. I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage, Jesus says, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. So all throughout John and throughout here, even in Romans, we see that the Holy Spirit is the helper. Now that's awesome because we need help. We need help. And that's the first thing that we've got to learn is we've got to learn to be humble enough to cry out to God for help. We've got to do that. And that's hard for us as human beings. I don't know why it is, but it is to say, I need help, not from somebody. Yes, that helps too. But from God above, from God in our hearts, from Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, we need help. So I just want us to practice, okay? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to just have a little practice here. On the count of three, digital family and on campus, we're going to say the word help together, okay? Just to get it out, just to say it all together. One, two, three, help. One more time. One, two, three, help. So we need to get in practice realizing the Holy Spirit is our helper. I'm saying, help. God, I need your help right now in my marriage. I need your help right now in my schoolwork, students, as you go through finals. I need your help in my parenting. I need your help with my parents. I need your help with my school. I need your help at my job. I need your help in my spiritual walk. I need your help in my purity. I need your help in my decision-making. There's so many places we gotta say, Lord, help. I need your help. And guess what? God will help you and he will help me. Now, I wanna teach you this word help is a 17-letter Greek word, okay? I'm going to teach you a 17-letter Greek word. Here it is. Supercalifragilistic. No, it's not. That's not it. Here's what it is. Okay, we're going to put it up on the screen for you to see it. 
And this is the long 17 word, and then I put a little text into it for us to say it, all right? Soon anti lambano I. Here's what it means. Soon is the S-Y-N. That's kind of like a synonym. That means with. Okay, so together. Soon, together. Anti is like on the other side. Like think of an antagonist is on the other side of the argument. Lambano is to grasp or to carry. And then I is just the congregation of it, of how it's played out. Okay? Soon anti lambano I. I hope I'm saying it right, but it's close enough. Soon anto lebano I. It means this, to help carry from the other side. What kind of helper is the Holy Spirit? He helps to carry over the other side. Let me give you an illustration. Imagine we went to your home today and your husband or your wife said, you know, that, that kitchen table, we need to move that. We need to get a new kitchen table in here. We need to move it a little bit. And so your wife or your husband said, hey, would you, would you move that table? And you'd walk over. Let's picture that my table here is your kitchen table. You'd pick up one end of it. And you could slide around a couple legs of it, scratch the floor a little bit, but you could not pick up your kitchen table and move your kitchen table. You would need a sun anto libano eye to help you on the other side. You would get one end of the table, your sun anto libano eye would grab the other end of the table, and you would be able to move it together. So here's what happens. We're on one end, and if I tried to move this table, I can't move it. I would need one of you to come over here to the other side, and if we got this together, the two of us, now you have helped me, and we're able to lift this table and move it. That's the Greek word used for help here in this place. The Holy Spirit wants you and I to allow him to be on the other side to be able to move the things in our lives. And many of us, either we don't know, we don't care, or we don't want it, we're trying to move our own table. And you're not gonna do it without scratching up the floor at least. And so we've got here this need that we need the Holy Spirit to be on the other side. That's what I'm hoping in this very moment right now. You're seeing it happen, I hope. You're seeing it live and in person. You're watching it happen in someone's life, my life right now. I'm prepared. I got my notes. I got my outline. I'm ready to go. I've got my side, my end of the table. Lord, this is the passage of scripture. God, this is the outline that you have. Here's the deal. And we're gonna lift it, but I've been praying all week and asking God, and I believe it. I've done this long enough to know. I need the Holy Spirit on the other side to preach a message that touches hearts. I can give you a lot of information. I can give you a lot of stuff. I can do the best job that I could possibly do in my human effort. But when the Holy Spirit gets on the other side and activates the spiritual gift he's given me that we've been praying about, I've been praying about, and then the Holy Spirit is involved, now your marriage, now your message, now your life, now your journey, then it begins to be something of power because it's not just you. So I don't think for a second that I can preach a message out of the Bible and touch hearts online or on campus or all over, wherever. I can't do that unless the Holy Spirit, my helper, is on the other side and lifting with me. Now, let me quickly say it's not a 50-50 deal. God does not need us. God graciously includes us. God doesn't need us. God graciously includes us. I'm privileged and honored to be able to teach the Bible to you today. So I come to my side of the table, so to speak, 
and he's lifting on the other side, and we're lifting, but it's him. It's not me. You don't need to hear from a man. You need to hear from God today. Let him be on the other side, helping you lift through that problem, helping you lift through that issue, helping you lift through that that thing that's just ripping your heart apart. Three times in this passage, creation has groaned, we have groaned, and now the Holy Spirit's groaning. It's not talking about speaking in tongues. It's the Holy Spirit groaning to God saying, oh, I'm coming before you, God. The first heavenly gift is we've got a helper to carry the other side. What a great gift. What a helper. A paraclete is what it is. That's a Greek word for uh, one who comes alongside of. That's what the Holy Spirit is in Greek. Number two, our second heavenly gift is we are freed from the pressure of perfect prayer. These go together. Don't miss this. It goes together. We are freed from the pressure of the perfect prayer. That's what it says in verse 27, or the end of verse 26. Because we do not know the Holy Spirit helps us, soon anti labanonai, in our weakness, because we do not know what we should pray for, we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So the secondly heavenly gift is that we are freed from the pressure of a perfect prayer. I mean, have you ever been in situations you're like, I don't even know what to pray. I mean, do I pray for the healing of that person physically or do I pray that they just just make it through because God's taking them on to heaven? I, I, I don't know, what do I pray here? Do I pray that they get out of the situation or does God want them in the situation? Do I pray that there's blessing on this moment and this business deal that I'm going to get? Or is this going to bring more problems than we really want? It's not worth the money. What do I pray in this situation? We end up in these places. So he says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And then he says prayer, and he lists that as the first weakness. Now, I think that is hilarious that he lists prayer as the weakness. Why do I think that's hilarious? Because prayer is like the easiest thing to do. You're like, well, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. You don't have to say anything. You can just... Close your eyes and think it towards God, and it's prayer. You don't have to preach the gospel. You don't have to risk your social identity. You don't have to, to you have people come against you. You don't have to be a martyr. You don't have to travel across the world. You don't have to sleep on the ground. You don't have to, you just let your mind call upon God. You don't have to fold your hands. You can. You don't even have to close your eyes. You don't have to bow your head. You don't have to bend your knees. You just verbalize, either in your heart or in your mouth, Lord, ready, help. It's really the easiest thing to do, but yet we are so weak as humans, the Holy Spirit has to even help us with prayer. I mean, is it that hard to get on our knees? Is it that hard to clasp our hands? Is that hard to bow our heads? Is it that hard to, to, to bow our heads and close our eyes? Physically, absolutely not. But there's something in us that's like, well, I don't know what to say. And here's what the Holy Spirit does. He frees us from the perfect prayer. He's interceding for us. And if you look at verse 34, it says that Jesus is also interceding for us. So when we go to the Father, we're going with the other two parts of the Trinity. 
And he's interceding for us. Why? Because in verse 27, it says he searches our hearts and he knows the mind of the spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. One commentator puts it like this. No passage of scripture provides greater encouragement for prayer. The spirit comes to the aid of the baffled believer by the perplexity of prayer. It takes their concerns to God and with intensity far greater than we could ever imagine, our groans become his groans and he intercedes on our behalf. He perceptually, intuitively knows the mind of the spirit and the spirit knows our hearts. And so here's all you gotta do. You ready? Here it is. Here it is. It's so great. It's so great. It's so, so great. You don't have to clasp your hands. You don't have to bow your head. You don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to bend your knee. You just turn to God in prayer and things begin to happen. Is that incredible? You just turn to God. Help! Lord, would you lift the other side of the table as I preach? Father, would you lift the other side of the table in our marriages? God, would you lift the other side of the table in our, our homes? God, would you lift the other side of the table, students for you at school? God, would you just lift? Thank you that you involve me. Oh, I just turn my heart to you, God. And God hears those groanings and those prayers and the spirit intercedes with groanings too deep for words and expressible. Jesus himself stands before the throne for us 24-7 and instead of having the perfect prayer, our hearts go to God. You ever been to a gala or an event and somebody prayed the perfect prayer? I mean, they just pray. they prayed the perfect prayer and somewhere through the prayer, you kind of opened up one eye to see if they're reading something. As they finish that perfect prayer, you kind of, I mean, this may be me being judgmental, like, did you really pray or did you just read us something? I'd rather hear an ah from the heart than a bunch of these and thous. And I think God wants to hear from our hearts. You lean this far forward in your heart towards God in prayer and the world begins to move because God does something through his spirit and his heart. But here's the question, will we move? The reason we don't pray is not because we're too busy, but because we're too confident or too arrogant. You let your heart believer go to God and he'll take all those jumbled emotions and words and feelings uh, and he'll give it to God and God will do his work in your life. Just give it a shot. Give it a shot. Went to Italy this summer and went to Rome, spent a lot of time in Rome as we're going through Romans. I wanted to be in Rome, studied in Rome, was there in Rome, had a great time in Rome. And then we traveled some other places in Italy and places I hadn't been. I'd been to Rome before, but hadn't been to other places in Italy. So we worked with a travel agent to try to get the, the feel and the vibe and where we needed to stay because they'd been there before. I didn't want to just be like, you know, Priceline and trying to find out hotels and some, you know, above a pizza parlor in Italy somewhere. I don't know where I'm going to end up being. Um, and so, uh, which I love pizza, love Italy. If that sounded negative, I, I don't know, um, but uh, positive. So with the travel agent though, they're giving us, you gotta be careful nowadays, you know, so I could have like the whole pizza convention picketing the church next week, you know, about <laughs> I don't like pizza. So asterisk, we'll remove this from the web. So we got this, here we go. So I'm sat with the travel agent to get the right vibe. And so here's what I say, I'm a bit of a visionary. And so I, I sat there and they said, well, what do you wanna do? And I said, let me paint the picture for you. I picture a morning, the blue sky is out and the clouds are there. 
city's beginning to bustle, but it's a cobblestone city. Somewhere around the 1200s it was made. And I'm going to walk down with my Bible and my journal in hand. And I'm going to go to a coffee shop and I'm going to sit on an outdoor coffee shop at this little bitty pathway that's here in Italy with this awning that's right here. And I'm going to order a latte and this guy's going to come out and he's going to bring it to me. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be decorated. And I'm going to open up my Bible and I'm going to study and I'm going to look at this and I'm just going to experience Italy and just go, wow. And when we got there, I was like, she made that happen. That was incredible. She got the vision and then she put the practicality to it. I use that as just kind of a silly illustration of this. You let your heart go for God and the Holy Spirit will take what you really need to God. He'll intercede. You just become a person that leans and prays and gets on your knees and closes your eyes and bows your head and clasps your hand and say, God, help. Help. And you'll find a soon Auntie Lombano Nye on the other side of a table that's way too heavy for you and me. But he comes and he helps. The third heavenly gift is our perspective of God's activity is reframed. Our perspective of God's activity is reframed. Now here's what it says in the scripture in verse 28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. You've heard that verse before if you've been around church for a while. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called together or called according to his purpose. Our perspective of God's activity is reframed. Genesis chapter 50, do you remember the story of Joseph? Joseph gets thrown in jail. Joseph gets left in jail, though they promised him he'd get out of jail. Joseph is betrayed by his brothers is how he even got into jail. And then all of a sudden he rises up and in Genesis chapter 50, verse 12, he gives us a 50-20 vision. He says, you planned evil against me, my brothers, but God planned it for good to bring about the present result of the survival and saving of many people. God took Joseph's misery and made it his ministry. And the good happened even after the evil. Now, this verse of scripture in Romans is reframing our perspective of life because we know how the story ends, that God's got a plan and he's gonna take care of it. Now, in this reframing of the perspective of life, let's kind of talk about this for just a second. For all things work for the good of those who love Jesus and are called according to his purpose. Well, what does it mean? It doesn't mean everything's sunshine and rainbows. It doesn't mean everything's good. There's evil in the world. There's bad in the world. There's bad people in the world. There's mean people, evil people, sinful people. It's it, stuff that happens. It are bad stuff that happens. Does it mean that there's no hardships or difficulties? Does it mean that you agree with everything God is doing? But it does mean that we can trust the Lord that nothing is outside of his control, that difficult and dark days are not unredeemable, that though life is messy, God is at work in us. Now, let me give you three things on this verse of scripture real quick, quickly. Number one, God's good might not be your idea of good. God's good might not be your or my, our idea of good. Psalm chapter 119, verse 68 the psalmist says to God, you are good. You do what is good. Teach me your statutes. I want to follow you is what he's saying. 
So God's idea of good and my idea of good may be drastically different. But when it says all things work for the good of those who love Jesus, I've got to trust in that. Now, there's two Greek words for good. One Greek word is a Greek word for intrinsic, internal character, okay? The other Greek word is a Greek word for situational good. The stock market's good. That painting is good. This food is good. These things are good. All of those things are good outside. The Greek word that they use in Romans 8.28, which one do you think it is? It's the internal one. It's the character one. All things, doesn't mean they're all good outside, work for good internally to form my character intrinsically. Not for our earthly comfort, but for conformity to Christ, as we'll see in a minute. Number two, God works things out, not us, so trust him. God works things out, not us, so trust him. Philippians 2, verse 13, for it is God who is working in you, intrinsic, inside, internal. God is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. So God's working things out. Trust his timing. Trust his methods. Trust what he's doing. Number three, God's purpose is to conform us into the image of Christ. His purpose is to conform us into the image of Christ. And let me tell you, brother, let me tell you, sister, that's a hard road. To be conformed into the image of a man who dies on a cross and the world comes against him and dies for others, us, that's a hard road. One man put it like this, God, I know why you have so few friends. Look how you treat them. God, I know why you have so few friends. Look how you treat them. Meaning that these trials come as we become conformed to the image of Christ. Trials are going to come anyway. You might as well get a spiritual benefit out of it, right? And be conformed in the image of the Lord. And to allow him to shape us and to mold us and to move us in that God can use things and reframe our perspective as we're conformed into the image of Christ. That's what he's doing in our hearts. The fourth and final heavenly gift that we have here is found in verse 29 and 30. Here's the gift. God always finishes what he starts. God always finishes what he starts. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, I'm sure of this, Paul says, he who begun a good work in you will carry it out to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. So we know the end of the story. God does have a plan. It's, be it's better than a hallmark ending. We know our lives are not hallmark lives. We need his help for us to lean forward in prayer, trusting that he can reframe what we define as good and he can do his work in us and he's gonna finish what he starts. Isn't that good? That's a heavenly gift. Look at verse 29 and verse 30. It's some challenging verses, but I'm gonna explain it to you. Here we go. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to, become, to be conformed to the image of his son. Notice in this, what is the predestination? The predestination is not salvation. The predestination is sanctification. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What's God saying there? He's saying, I finish what I start. I will take you from called to glorified. Now, 
in this passage of scripture, we'll, we'll unpack more of it, particularly that verse 30. It'll come in, in uh, Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 talks about the sovereignty of God and salvation. Predestination, election, sovereignty of God. Romans chapter 10 talks about man's response to that. Be, could be called free will. And Romans chapter 11 says, who can know the mind of God? Now, the reason we're going to talk about Romans 9 and 10 and 11 in January is this. It gives more time for Jesus to return before I've got to preach about these things, okay? <laughs> so I'm just trying to give the Lord a little more time before I got to get into all that, okay? Because if you've been fighting about it for 500 years, we're not coming up with the answer at I-10 in the loop, okay? It's not going to happen. But I love what Charles Spurgeon says about it. And you'll hear me say this again. How do you reconcile? He said, someone asked me, how do you reconcile predestination and free will? Charles Spurgeon replied, why do I need to reconcile friends? God's got a plan and he's got this somehow woven together that we can't see every aspect of it. But he's got a plan and we can trust Jesus in that plan. Now, in this section here, he's saying, I'm finishing what I'm starting. Romans 9, we're going to get deep in it. Don't worry, we're going to have a whole message on Romans 9. We're going to hit Romans 10. We're going to hit Romans 11. We're going to do all that. But here he's saying, if you are being conformed in the image of Christ, I just want you to know there's going to be a finish line. It's going to be hard. And there will be a time which the called and the justified and the sanctified will be glorified and we can trust that God's got a plan. And so I just tell you in your heartache, in your hurt, in your groans, in your aches, in your, I don't know what to pray. God can finish something in your life and you just lean forward and let him have his way. Let him be a 17 letter word in your heart and be your helper. And you will find that he will come along around the other side and he'll lift that moment that you can't lift on your own. You can't, you can't, you can't. You've been trying and you can't. I can't preach on my own. Do you want to even hear me try to preach on my own? The glory of God, thank you. <laughs> Amen. I was looking for some crowd response. The rest of y'all are like, I don't know. Are you funnier if you do it on your own? I don't. No. I don't want to preach on my own. I'll tell you, this is not in my notes. Just maybe this, I hope this Holy Spirit, I'll just give you a little story. Um, I first was starting to speak and the breakaway crowd was growing. We were at two different services and students were packing into this church. I walked in. To this side of not this church, church and college station, I walked in and the place was packed. And here's what I thought. I'm embarrassed to tell you this. I walked in and I thought, they're here to hear me. And in that moment, God said, then you go for it. And I said, dear God, please. I am so sorry. Help, help. And I don't remember what I preached that night. And I don't even remember if it was you know, the greatest message in the history of the world. I don't think it was, but I'm telling you, I knew at that moment, I don't want to do this without Jesus. And I'll tell you why. Not because I'm afraid of being embarrassed, but because your life and God's word is too important 
to do it in man's strength. I'm telling you, this is just telling you my heart. The hurts and the heartaches and the pain that happens in life. that We come together to sing and to listen and to trust and to bend forward a notch. It's too much for anybody to stand and preach, stand and sing, or to try to walk out the Christian life in your life as well. We need Jesus so badly. And no matter how far you feel that you are from him, he is a breath, a prayer, a way. He's interceding for you right now. The Holy Spirit's interceding for you right now. And you take that and you give that to him. And I'm telling you, it's a heavenly gift. And no matter what you go through, God is at work in you and you can trust him. You can trust him. So I don't know if it's you don't want to, you don't know how to, or this is the moment that you will. Trust him and allow him to be your helper. Guess what? He's got a plan, not to end a Hallmark movie, but he's got a plan for your life and my life too. And I don't want to do it in my own strength. I can't be a dad in my own strength. I can't be a husband in my own strength. I can't be a pastor in my own strength. I can't be a friend in my own strength. I can't, surely I can't be a believer in Jesus in my own strength. And you can't either. And that's called the church. We lean. We trust. We get to be a part of something. But he's got to be the lift. Come. Jesus, we thank you that you include us. Gosh, we apologize, Lord, for the times we did it in our own strength. We tried to move the table in our own strength. We scraped the floor and broke the legs. We just tell you, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're our helper. You're the one on the other side helping us to lift. We just lean forward in prayer. Trust you. We bow our heads. We close our eyes. We bend our knees. Just push our hearts towards you and just say, help. Maybe that's your word of prayer today. It's not 17 letters. It's just four. It's just help. He'll take that help. He'll intercede before the Father as the Son does as well. And he'll just put it before you. This is what they meant, Father, when they said help. This this is what they need. This is what's going to conform them to the image of of Christ. This is what's going to be good in their life. This is is the plan that I've got for them. This is how it's going to be played out. Help. I just encourage you in this moment. I'm done. Lifted all I can lift. Prayed all I can pray. It's in your lap. Will you respond to God on your own personal life and heart? Respond to him right now. Just read that prayer.
the help you need may be in salvation, that you just need to turn to Jesus and say, save my soul, forgive my sins. I want to be a Christian. I want you to live in my heart. Pray that to him. It's not the perfect prayer of certain words. It's just your heart saying, I need you to go to heaven. Forgive my sins. I need your grace. If you're a believer in Jesus and it's just, just not walking with him, is this the moment you just say help? You let God help you? Take many more steps, but let him help you with this one. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.